This morning, I want to um, take <coughs> some time to invite you into something before the year gets too far ahead of you. Um, it's already <laughs> middle of January. Crazy, crazy just how fast everything's flying along at the moment. But this morning, I want to invite you at the start of a year um, to a f- answer yourself this question or ask yourself this question and please be, be really honest and pay attention to your first reaction to the question, all right? Because the first reaction is often the honest one. So I just want to ask you, how is your life of prayer? How is your life of prayer? Some of us might be sort of having these moments of going, oh, well, look, you know, truthfully, uh, pretty shallow right now or empty. There's not much going on there. <laughs> if I took the lid off and looked inside that one called prayer, there wouldn't be much activity happening in there. For some of us, it might be at the start of the year, we're going, well, actually, I'm struggling to pray now because I was struggling with prayer last year and so the struggle continues for me. Uh, for some of us, it might you, the, the the thought of or the word rare might come to mind as, as your first response when I ask that question. How's your life of prayer? Rare for some of us. Uh, for some of us, it might be confusing. Just this whole thing of conversation with God and who, which, what's God's voice? What's my voice? What's the enemy? And it might just be a big, you know, mixed up pizza for you in terms of an experience. And so for you, prayer may be confusing. Um, if you tend to be um, very active and, and um, very um, busy, you can often find yourself going, well, I'll just get this done and then I'll, then I'll pray. So prayer sort of comes as a second or a third type of thing after I've done what I think is important and needs to be done. Um, for some of us, uh, prayer usually, or you, it may bring to mind... Um, perhaps a prayer that we pray a lot, which is that two-word prayer, God help. <laughs> okay, that might, Or some of us might be in the room sitting here going, you know what? Prayer is like my thing. Prayer is like my thing. It is like me and God, we talk all the time. And we love, I love prayer. I love, I love spending time in prayer. It's like I can't wait to start the day. The first thing I do when I order my day is I'm like everything just like off to the side. I'm hanging with the Lord first before I do anything else. So, and there's everything in between. But I just want to ask you at the start of this year, how is your life of prayer? Now, the reason why I ask this is because um, David Benner in his book, Opening to God, eh, Oh, hang on, I better turn it on. That might help. Let me see if that works. Hey, there we go. David Benner in his book, Opening to God, says this. The Christian spiritual journey is responding to God's invitation to a personal encounter in love. And prayer is our response. Prayer is the place of encounter. Growth in prayer is growth in loving intimacy with God. 
So often we feel like, oh, well, it's on my end to crank things up and get things going in terms of conversation with prayer. But in fact, Benner would suggest, and I think he does a good job of it in his work, he suggests that the Bible actually tells a different story. The Bible tells a story that actually God, who is the word, the spoken word, is constantly communicating with his creation and with people. And in fact, to use the words of King Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of people. So there's this spiritual desire and hunger in the heart of people to want to actually engage with in response to God's conversation with them. So actually God has started something and we're actually invited to join in. So the good thing is you don't have to... Have you ever been in one of those awkward situations where you're with someone either at lunch or in, a, in, a, in an office situation or you've, you've never met sort of before and you're sort of sitting there and it's like, well, what are we going to talk about? Who's going to start the conversation? <laughs> all of that. Well, the good thing is all that awkwardness is out the door because none of that responsibility is on your end. God's already communicating and he's inviting us all into the conversation. He's already talking. We just need the opportunity to say, oh, hang on, I'm going to respond. So you don't have to figure out what am I going to say? How long am I going to have to talk for? What do I look like when I'm saying this? Forget that. (laughs) God's already talking. If you've got your Bible, quickly open it up to Luke chapter 11. And as you're doing that, I want to just say to you that it's my conviction that we can try and make at the start of a year loads of changes in our lives through structural disciplines. You can make all sorts of like, I've made, you know, I'm going to do this this year, I'm going to drink less of that, I'm going to eat more of this and eat less of that, I'm going to change this behavioural pattern, whatever. We can make lots of structural changes and disciplines to our life, but in regards to this whole conversation that God is having with you and you with God, I want to suggest that it doesn't matter how much structural discipline you put in place, it will not transform your life. It won't change you. It won't change you. As Benna suggests, and the scripture as we read it in a minute, suggests that the ultimate transformation for our life the life that we hope to live in God, the, the life that we dream of in God, the life of the eternal life, of the higher life, of the life where we're born again and we get to do all things in Christ who fills and strengthens us and that we live this hope-filled life, it all is born in and sustained in continual conversation and attentiveness to the presence of God's love for our life. This is where transformation happens. Luke chapter 11, if you've got it there. If not, I think I've got it on the screen here. This is a really great um, bit of scripture in Luke 11. It's also in Matthew's gospel. It's the Lord's Prayer. And one of the things that I find really interesting about this prayer is that Jesus um, is teaching his disciples about prayer because the disciples who are following him, remember disciple is, it means a student, so a student of Jesus to the point where they want to actually be just like Jesus. That's the bottom line 
I want to be a disciple. And I think John, John Bajaya used a quote a few years ago when he was here once preaching, uh, and he used it, talked about, you know, the dust of the master would literally be the dust that is on the disciple. So that when the, that's how close the life would be. The, the, the mirroring, the, the, the sense of when you see, the, see me, you see the master. Okay, so, so Jesus is now responding to his disciples, his students, because they've said to him, they've said, hey, teach us to pray. And so he gives them this great teaching. <clears throat> so verse 11, now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. In other words, they'd seen something about Jesus and they said, we want to do what you do. Because when you do that, whatever it is you do in that space called prayer, something happens there where you connect with God and then you go and do stuff. And we, we want that. We want to do that too. We want to live in that space as well. So teach us to pray. And in fact, they, they kind of grab Jesus by the arm and they give him one of these. They, like, they kind of muscle him a little bit because then, cause what they do is they compare Jesus to John the Baptist and because they, they say, John teaches his disciples how to pray. So they're not letting Jesus off. And what you're actually seeing in this statement when, when they say, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples, what you're seeing is that for a disciple of Jesus... The first thing that you need to understand is you have been made to experience spiritual hunger. In the proximity and the presence of Jesus, you have been made to discover your spiritual hunger. And you will literally at times want to get on Jesus' case and say, hey, teach me. Pay attention to the spiritual hunger. Um, And Jesus said this to them. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we, for we forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you has a friend? will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves. Uh, oop, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived in the journey. Um, I might just read it off the screen. Uh, and I have nothing set before him. And he will answer from within Don't bother me. The door is shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Ask him. Ask him. Now, the reason why he's going to knock on the guy whose door is because he knows that guy has bread. Where are you going? Are you going, to, are you going looking for bread? I want to just quickly paint a few things for us this morning. Oh, sorry, let me finish. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? First thing I want to just point out here is this whole issue. As this year begins, 
is taking the time to identify the spiritual hunger that's within each and every one of us. Do you actually ever stop and pay attention to the spiritual hunger that God has placed in you? Have you ever stopped and paid enough attention to that hunger to realise that God is having a conversation with you right there in that place where he's wanting to take that under-resourced, underdeveloped, hungry place into a new experience with God? Have you stopped to pay enough attention to that spiritual hunger in you to realise that God is actually inviting you into an encounter with him that will, in fact, help you navigate the great spiritual contest of our daily lives and living? He's calling you to an encounter with him each and every day. I often have found for my own personal walk with Jesus as a disciple of him, that whenever I start to begin to realise this hunger growing within me, and usually it, it's kind of framed very generally with things like, there must, there must be more. There must be something more than this. There must be something more about God and his kingdom and his ways that I'm seeking and, and, and longing for. Well, disciples of Jesus... In this room, I want to invite you at the start of this year to pay attention to where God is letting you wake up to the spiritual hunger that is placed in you and the conversation that he wants to have there in that space. Hungry for marriages, hungry for the well-being of our children, hungry to see the poor fed, hungry to see those that are wrestling with demonic issues set free, hungry to see healed people that are sick healed, hungry. Where is that hunger that the Holy Spirit is pointing at in you? And are we paying attention to that? Because it's in that space God is saying, come here, I want to reveal something of who I am to you in this place, in that space. As 2018 begins and it opens up to you, listen to the hunger that the Holy Spirit is stirring within you, a hunger that drives you to Jesus saying, Lord, teach me, show me. Psalm 25 verse 4 reads, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me because you are God, my saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. The founder of the Vineyard Movement, John Wimber, he used to say this saying all the time. He'd say, I am a lifelong learner. In other words, what he was really saying is that I'm hungry to know more of God every day and the ways of his kingdom. Pay attention. Have we become... Have we become uh, hardened to learning? Discipleship with Jesus is to be like Jesus. If you, um, a couple of verses back or chapters back in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus has just done these amazing uh, healing works and, and then all of a sudden it says in Luke chapter 5, I'm just going to pick it up here in verse 12, um, Luke 5.12, while Jesus was 
in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his, with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left the man. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and all of the sacrifice and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet, verse 15, news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. See, Jesus needed in his humanity to be in that constant conversation with the Father. In fact, a little bit further on in John 5, 19, Jesus used this catchphrase to describe his works. He said, I only do what I see my Father doing. So he had to know who his Father was. He had to know what his Father's business was. And he actually had to be able to see what the Father was doing in the moment that he could be in partnership with what the Father was doing. It's 20, as 2018 opens up to you, God is calling all of us into an opportunity of a new space of encountering transformation in meeting him, where we are fueled to be able to engage with all of the needs that come our way that flow out of the fact that we know what it's like to prioritise, to retreat, to be with God and take heed of the conversation that he's having with us. It's Jesus' attentiveness to the Father's conversation that fueled Jesus with power and authority out of that relationship to be able to then move in the Holy Spirit with a great sense of synergy in life. And that is our promise, our opportunity as well as 2018 commences. So where are the places that you retreat to? For me... Personally, there's two things I do. One is I often, as often as I can, at least every other month, I try and take a few hours to go and sit at the water's edge near the surf. I need to hear the sound of the waves. I need to feel the salt on my skin and the sun touching me. And some, by the wiring of how God has made me, as he knit me together, that place seems to be a space for me where I can retreat to and have good, clear conversation with God. For some of you, it may be on a surfboard, it may be riding a bicycle, it may be on top of a mountain, it may be reading a book. But where is the place where you retreat? God's waiting there to have conversation with you so that he can fuel you for all of the needs that are going to come around your life. Where is that space for you? The second thing that I do is that I actually, <clears throat> I've actually started to, uh, I meet with another guy. He, he's, a, he's, a, um, he's a pastor from uh, another denomination. And I meet with him every three months. And what I do is I bring the coffee and he meets me beside the dam he already has the two chairs set up. Before I even get there, he's waiting in his camping chair with his big floppy hat on. And then 
I put my hat on when, and I walk down there with the two coffees. I give him one coffee. I sit in the other chair and then he says, so, how's things with God? And then we take two hours where he sits and he listens to me. And then he points things to me out that I may be missing because you know what I've discovered about my own life? I have blind spots. I have blind spots. I think I'm an altogether okay piece of equipment. But Nicole, if you have a conversation with Nicole or if you get to do life with me a little bit, you'll realise that Kirk guy has got some blind spots. He needs some help. And this guy that I meet with every couple of months, he helps me see those blind spots and invites me into a conversation with Jesus about those blind spots. And God fuels me and fills me in those places to be able to navigate all of the needs that come around my life. As, so where are the places that you meet with God? And um, I want to encourage you, maybe, maybe it's not just a solo thing. Maybe it's something that you might need the friendship of another to go and help sit in that space with you. Now, my friend, he's a, you know, he used this big fancy term, we call it spiritual direction. He doesn't basically, he doesn't tell me to do anything. He just sits there and bounces and reflects back to me the very things I'm saying. He's a wonderful friend helping me to hear God. Lastly, 2018, prayer is God's big invite to him, to come to him. This is God's big invite for each and every one of us. And I just want to um, take three things that ben, uh, Benner in his book, Opening to God, suggests are three great ways to prepare to meet with God. Now, if you're going to meet with royalty, you usually spruce up and there's all these protocols and things. When you're going to meet with maybe, a, um, you know, like if I'm taking Nicole out for dinner, I try to prepare myself a bit, have a shower, you know, have a shave, comb the hair, prepare myself a bit. Uh, protocol. If you're going to meet someone in a workplace over a work function and a decision needs to be made, you, you prepare yourself. Well, Benna says, look, uh, there, there's some keys to preparing yourself to have an authentic relationship and encounter with God. The first one, he says, is this, trusting openness versus guarded pretense. In other words, if you're going to come and meet with God, you're going to have to trust that in the, that openness of opening your life to God. He will be good, he will be faithful, he will be true, and he will be loving, and he will lead you into the, the, the more that he has for you. Okay, so trusting openness rather than guarded pretense, like I'm here to meet with you, God, but the door is really closed on the conversation. Pay attention where you shut the door because those are the places where God's saying, Trust me if you just open to me. There's an encounter waiting for you with God. Trusting openness as opposed to guarded pretense, as opposed to, oh no, I, I know everything. I, I, I've, my doctrine's right. I believe everything. My belief structure's good. I'm exercising faith. But are you leaning into the confidences of the love of God out of your relationship with him? The other he suggests is radical honesty. 
God is far too real to be met anywhere other than in reality. Isn't that great? Radical honesty. Just be you with God. Finally, life is prayer. We often put prayer in this kind of to-do activity. But if you read the book in Genesis 1, you see Adam and Eve, they walk around in the garden and there's this acute attentiveness to the fact that they're walking with God as they're going about the day. There's this attentiveness to the presence of God. That is what Benner suggests is prayer in its best, where we live from the presence, where we walk with the presence, where we engage with each other out of the presence of the living God. Read Gen 1. Try it again. Um, the, the tragedy about Genesis 1 is we see that sin and the enemy distorts that attentiveness with a lie. And, and where he, su- he suggests we substitute the attentive relational awareness with God to a framework where we go, okay, I'm going to create a framework of control and demand where we've put language in place that says, Dear God, I prayed, therefore you must. And there's no real relationship there. It's just control and demand. So let go of the control and demand at the start of this year. Let's get radically honest with God. Open yourself trustingly to him and his love for your life. And let him lead you into those places where he's saying, there's more, there is so much more for you that I have in store for you. For who, understanding who you are, how I've made you, and for the things that we're going to do together. Listen to this last quote. Benna says, prayer is for all of us as natural as breathing. In fact, it's the breath of, breath of the soul. It's essential that we pray, just as it's essential that we breathe. Breath holding is hazardous to our physical well-being. It can even be fatal. I was reminded of a story a friend of mine when he was a, I think he was probably about 17 or 18, I think. He decided with a couple of mates that they were going to have a breath holding contest. See who could hold their breath the longest. Well, he held his breath so long, he blacked out fell over and smashed out his two front teeth. It can be dangerous if you hold your breath. You've been made to breathe. And so has your soul with God. And that's a great picture. Bennett says, prayer withholding can be equally hazardous to our soul and our spirit. It's like we're like, (gasps) I'm just going to hold my breath and hope that (laughs) changes somehow. It's not. Your soul needs to breathe in conversation with God. And he says, don't pray because you should. That's control and demand. Pray because you can and because it's as natural a response of your soul as releasing the breath that now fills your lungs and drawing in the next breath. God is inviting you and me into this space of paying attention to the conversation that he wants to have with each and every one of us this year. And you are invited. And you've been invited. 
Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for each and every one of us. Thank you that you've so like radically revealed your love to us in, in the person of Jesus. We see in you, Lord Jesus, the heart and, and the character and the love of God saying, here I am, I'm for you, both now and into eternity, and I have a life for you to live. Holy Spirit, would you just come and help each and every one of us today to become even more attentively aware as disciples of Jesus where there is spiritual hunger in our life. I'm hungry for transformation and change. Lord, help us not just to move the furniture and, of our life and hope that things will be different. Help us to not just kind of like, if maybe I just get more disciplined about this, then it'll change. No, Lord, I pray that you give us the courage and the raw honesty to be able to say, here I am, God, come and meet with me. Come and meet with me. Teach me. Show me. Shape me. And fill me with your love. Holy Spirit, for each and every person right now, I welcome you. Just come. Would you come? Come. I felt like this morning as we were going to, just in this space as I prayed, I felt like God was going to start to show you where he's placed spiritual hunger in your life because that's what he does with disciples. I've made you for more. Can you just literally take 30 seconds and just listen to that conversation space God's inviting you to, where that spiritual hunger is? There's such a big invite in the heart of God for each and every one of us And some of us may be in the room this morning for the very first time thinking, I want to actually invite God to have that conversation with my life and I want to be his disciple. So if that's you this morning, I just pray, Lord Jesus, you would become very real to those people who are giving their life to you for the very first time and trusting you with their life. I pray that, Lord Jesus, as you draw near to them, you would just wash away all of the sin and condemnation of the enemy and our own, our own folly, and you would just replace it with grace and forgiveness and that big welcome into the kingdom of God that by faith we can know that you are God and we belong to you. I pray the blessings of the kingdom would flow now into the, each life that's just saying, yes, Lord, yes. Let the inheritances that have been stored up in, 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 the, in the heart of God that have been waiting for this moment flow now in the name of Jesus to every heart. 
And in the name of Jesus, I just contend with every just bit of demonic infrastructure and human wisdom that we've kind of built up around our life in protection and born out of hopelessness and cynicism. And I just, in Jesus' name, ask all of that, just wash away, wash it all away. Wash it all away, God, and set us free to live, live, live in the generosity of your love and kingdom. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Press it on our heart now, God, the big invite. You're invited. You're invited.